0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andy, and before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about rebatejet.com. What is rebatejet? Well, it's a piece of software that I created that will help Amazon sellers get their products noticed. You can launch with promo codes, rebates, not only that, but you can list your product for free on the rebatejet third-party marketplace. You don't pay a single penny unless you make a sale, and when you do, it's only a $1 flat fee per product. Try it today, rebatejet.com. Welcome to the Seller Roundtable E-Commerce Coaching and Business Strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees.
1: So you just mentioned you were selling shampoos. And
0: right. I think a
1: lot of people have the misconception that their product has to be special and it has to be patented and it has to be different to sell to retail. And that was the number one thing that I learned from you that shocked me is that, you can have the most basic product ever because every retail store needs stuff for their you know so as long as you fit into that store but let's talk about what makes a good product for retail what's a good product what's a bad product how does how should people look at their products um, when they're analyzing them for retail opportunities
2: right so i have you know i have a good example for that before we go to the basics I had someone approaching me with uh, uh, ceramic knives. Now, we all know knives. There's so many knives out there. What's so special? So ceramic knife apparently is a little bit different from the others, although it exists. But going down to this niche, I understood quite fast that this is something that is, you know, with a huge potential in the market because it's ceramic. Those ceramic knives, they cut much easier and much faster. I didn't know that. Uh, that i i've never used that kind of knife until i met the guy and he was literally giving me samples like try it at home and see it which was amazing so i found that you know it has an amazing uh, uh, market so sometimes you look at your own products and say no it's not special here no don't think like that but then there are principles i have to say that like first of all as more SKUs uses you have is better that's for sure if you're coming up with like five six four seven skus it's gonna be hard unless unless you have something special with them. Now, something special doesn't have to be patent. It doesn't have to be a product that nobody has seen before. It could be the same very box that everybody else has with the same product inside, but then you have something special about the branding with crazy colors or with super boring colors, something different, something that the market has yet to see okay and if it if it's something that the market have seen before and have seen a lot you know grinded products i would call that then you have to come up with a lot of skus okay because a lot of skus why am i talking about why am i saying a lot of skus because if you look at the buyer side at the end of the day he has limit limited sources to handle suppliers he cannot handle like 100 suppliers he could handle 50 or 40 or 30 depends you know so then if one supplier come up and gives him the solution for like 30, 40, 20 different SKUs, that's very good for them, rather than taking three different or four different suppliers for five SKUs each, right? But at the same time, if if that vendor is coming and saying, you know what, I only have five SKUs, but look how beautiful they are, then you have something in hands, all right? Now, yeah, the looking good is like, you know, it. it It differs from from a brand to brand, but um, basically those are the terms. Obviously, those are the principles. Obviously, if you have patent or patent pending on your product, then you have, you know, something that is easier to move in terms of not having something too spatial in terms of the design or branding. And at the same time, not having too many SKUs, that would be fine as long as you have, you know, again, patent or something like that.
1: Got it. So the bottom line is we don't have to have a unique patented product to sell to retailers, quite the opposite. We just need to have something that fits and we need to have margin. That's the other big problem that you and I have seen when we, re- we have a, like a retail review service where we kind of review people's products of whether or not they're retail ready and you guys can take advantage of that. You can go to amazingathome.com forward slash retail and you can look at that and just fill out our form and we'll look at your product and tell you if you're retail ready. But the biggest thing that we see is that um, they're either not ready for packaging and branding because there isn't anything special that's gonna st- stick out on the retail shelf or we see that they might not have enough margin because um, a lot of, of people are selling with just like, you know, they're sourcing it for, um, you know, half of what they're, they're sourcing it for wholesale prices. And, they're you know, it's that's really hard to to be able to have enough margin to set something up. So love that. OK, my right. last question before I turn you over to my podcast co-host Andy over here is finding and talking to buyers. I think that's one of the biggest things that people are struggling with because they're like, okay, I just do, I just fill out this online form. How do, I get, how do I get to the Lowe's buyer? I want my tool in Lowe's. How do I talk to the, you know, the Home Depot person or how do I find a buyer and, and talk to them?
2: Right, so, I mean, one of the main things that I'm saying all the time, do not waste your time on online forms. They don't go anywhere. Just trust me on that. I know what I'm saying. I don't like, I I don't want to sound, you know, whatever, but it is what it is. Do do not waste your time feeling that. I've seen people feeling that again and again with no results. I filled those forms myself, just to make sure that I'm not wrong when I say do not do it, okay? I wanted to make sure that I'm not doing any mistake. I don't want to mislead anyone about anything. Don't do it. I have an internal information from some retailers that those forms are going nowhere if they would, you know, go to the FTP server and they could find it there. But I mean, what a buyer would go to the FTP server when he has 600 emails waiting for him on his inbox, right? Anyway, that's about, uh, uh, yeah, the online forms. How do you get to them? I mean, LinkedIn is a good tool, is a great tool. I, I think that LinkedIn in general is like, it's heaven. It's really a heaven, but you have to spend a lot of time in order to put your hands on the right person and to get him to be responsive and to get his email and eventually to get him to see your samples and order and everything. It's not something that you do in a day. It's quite, you know, quite, um, how would I define that? It's quite hard. Okay, just quite hard. So LinkedIn is one is one option. Another option is, yeah, obviously research in the internet of different, you know, different functions of people in, in, in the market. I know it sounds strange, but small retailers sometimes put their own emails on their website. It's very rare, it doesn't happen a lot, but there are small retailers that does it. You know, when I say small retailers, I'm talking about 10, 20, maximum 30 different stores. Okay. Normally, they wouldn't do that. You wouldn't be able to find online sem-club emails or whatever, you know, free people, uh, West LM or whatever. But yeah, I mean, most of my contacts are based on, you know, history, because I was moving from thing to thing. Like if I knew people in Macy's, then I was pulling, you know, um, pushing it. To get some more contacts there. When they left Macy's and they went to Nordstrom, I went together with them to Nordstrom. So we stayed in touch. That's how I built my contacts, and there are quite a lot of them out there. And then there are, you know, other tools, external tools. But yeah, I mean, it's not it's not an easy
0: thing. There's no magic in that. <laughs> I, yeah, Taylor, I think LinkedIn is a huge. Uh, uh, it's super undervalued in terms of getting great connections, especially in the retail world. Um, you know, one of the things you're talking about, you know, it can be difficult, but if you put us, you know, take a couple of hours, write a quick system for a VA from the Philippines, and you know, give them your login info, they can go out and and touch a lot of people in terms of, you know, say like you said, Costco, right? Is is one of is is one of your target retail destinations, right? Uh, then you would go on and, and use LinkedIn search to find you know, people in those uh, job titles that would most affect your ability to get there, you know, to get attention there and connect with them, and then just start messaging them, uh, you know, 90% will probably not reply, but you might get one or two and, and at least get a foot in the door. So I think that's 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 a really good uh, technique, and it doesn't work, you know, not only for retail, but like any type of business. Like I said, um, you know, I've, I've been booted off of Facebook multiple times, and whenever that happens, I end up going super deep into LinkedIn, and I keep saying I was glad that that's happened because now I've built like a massive following on LinkedIn, tons of great connections there, really the people that you're meeting on LinkedIn are people who are in business, right? They're not just like tire kickers on Facebook who are like, oh yeah, I'm interested in Amazon or retail. I'm going to kick the tires. Oh, I, you know, I, I sourced this one product. It was a failure and I moved on. The people on LinkedIn are established, right? They've been doing it. Um, or at least they're, they're more serious in, in in getting things done. So I, I think that's an, that's an awesome, uh, uh, tip there. So I want to pivot a little bit to, On the more professional side of things, uh, you were talking a little bit about like branding and packaging and things like that, but I think that that's an afterthought, right? When somebody's starting, especially if they started on the online world and they want to transition into retail, packaging on Amazon is usually pretty basic um, and, and not very exciting. So do you suggest that people should try to start out with some really great packaging um, and branding or do, do you think you should prove the concept, you know, on the on the, on the the other channels and once you prove that concept, then maybe go into new iterations on, on packaging and branding? So I think,
2: here's what I think. I mean, if you're already having a brown or whatever blank box for Amazon, why don't you brand it? Why don't you do it something, you know, better? And if you're already doing it better and becoming like, you know, day by day, becoming a better, better brand or more, you know, micro real brand, then you should also keep in mind that you're going to have retail at some point, either tomorrow or yesterday or in a year, it doesn't matter. But, Thinking about that, you might want to think, okay, is my product something that is going to be on the shelf or is going to be hanged or is going to be stacked, Or how is it going to be presented? And if it is hanged, then you would want to, you know, create an option at least for J-hook so that they can, at the end of the day being uh, hooked, you know, or if it, if it's not, then you have, you would want to think about what attributes you want to show on the box, on the outer packaging and everything. And that's something that is easy to do. So when your next batch on Amazon, Uh, coming to Amazon, you might want to say, okay, I'll take whatever, 20, 30 uh, pieces, and I'm going to put them in in, in my warehouse, and they're going to be packed with a new packaging, all right? And I'm going to have them as samples, up and ready for whatever happens for retail space, okay? That's on that side. As for branding, I mean, I think the the most basic thing and the most, you know, beginner point is to look at, at colors. Now, colors is something that you can, You know, there's a color per persona or persona per color. You can find it very easily in the internet in terms of, you know, if you look at, uh, for instance, if I'm selling like um, baby products, what are the colors that baby loves, right? And it's not necessarily those green, yellow, and red that everybody sees on toys. There are more colors and better colors. So if you search a little bit in Google, you can find those colors and they say, okay, here is where I start to build my story. I'm going to play with those. Colors, and I'm going to look what is going to be the trends this year and next year. And the trends are all over Google, all over the place. Trends, you, you, you can, some people are predicting for 2024. Okay. So you're going to know what's coming up next. And you're going to say, okay, I'm building my brand on that direction. My logo is going to be related to that. My packaging is going to be related to that. And obviously, the website is going to be related to that. So, you know what? Uh, I'm trying to give you a quick view. Talking about uh, a catalog, so this is like this is like a typical written catalog, not really exciting, and those products are super basic. I actually didn't didn't I wasn't sure I'm going to work with them because it's too basic. But we ended up doing great sales. I don't really know how it happened, but anyway, you know the lifestyle images here are very basic. As you can see, it's a little bit. It's even like trying to be boring. OK, they're trying to be boring. But in between, you could understand. And I built that, that catalog with them um, mostly on my side. But you can see that all the information that needs to be here is here. Immediately, they realize that there is colorful options in, on, the, on the side here. And they see all the you know attributes that they need to see and everything in pricing and wholesale pricing and so forth. And if I look, but this is something casual, OK? Because these products are casual. And if I look at the last catalog I did on my own private label, this is, this was my own brand. uh, You can see here that it's different in terms of, you know, it's trying to get you attracted all the time. It's trying to surprise you all the time. It's trying to be unique all the time. The colors are, the background is changing. Everything is changing all the time. There's, you know, those infographic or whatever you call it, uh, images in between and, and, you know the whole focus here is showing like i'm sorry what did i do i clicked something wrong here i think <laughs> i clicked something i shouldn't hold on the screen sharing is paused. oh okay we're good it's recording yeah. sorry. Yep. yep Sorry about that. Yep. so anyway the thing with that that i was trying to say is that you have to match your catalog and your branding and your website to your products to what you sell it could be boring It could be exciting, it could be crazy, you know, dogs, cats, stuff like that, it has to be something fun, it has to be something light, because that's what dogs are about, that's what cats are about, that's what, you know, animals in general are about giving us good feelings, so that's what, you know, light feeling. So anyway, I think you got the point.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And some of the other things that you know people might want to look into when they're coming up with those kinds of things are industry leaders, right? You know, if you're in the technology space, maybe looking at Tesla, or you know, looking at people in the industry that are kind of leading on the on the bleeding edge of design and 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 branding, and and those get some great inspiration from them. Um, the other thing that's uh, I've looked into before that I think I find it super interesting is coloring uh, in terms of driving emotion, right? So. I guess red is a very strong color when it comes to food products, right? So like Coke is red, um, you know, uh, a lot of red in like McDonald's. Um, Santa Claus is red. You know
2: why Santa Claus is red?
0: <laughs> no, I don't.
2: You ever heard the story?
0: Oh, we'll because we'll buy more? The,
2: the, no, the first time they did the the, the the image with him and everything, it was with Coca-Cola. And
0: since then, it stayed, it stayed like white and red. I just heard it this week. Never knew uh, that. Ah, you know what I might have heard that. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, so I mean, I just searched Food retail marketing color red and and I got a, you know, a bunch of articles. So just do some googling. There's some really interesting stuff in terms of psychology when it comes to coloring um and and, and things like that. And then, you know also, like I said, check out industry leaders to to get some really cool ideas in terms of of forward thinking colors and designs, uh, you know, for like you said, baby or whatever kind of niche that you're in. Um, I'd like to go back to, you know, a lot of the people listening probably are not doing retail right now um, and, you know, don't even know where to start. So what are some, you know, major perceived hurdles, you know, when you're when people are just starting the journey about thinking uh, that they want to start getting into retail?
2: So, again, it's built on the six points that I mentioned, but you, you have to I'll, I'll answer in two points. You have to consider yourself as a micro brand. Even if you have the most basic items on earth, like whatever, you know, stupid cable to charge your phone or whatever it is, you want to look at it as a, as a brand. You don't want to look at it as a product. And when you look at it as a brand, it's your own baby. You want to develop it You say, okay, I have this cable. What else can I do? Oh, can I do a denim, denim color cable? Can I do whatever pink and red cable you know with lines going across it or something special can i just do a special packaging can i do something different this is branding now that's number one number two i want to share with you guys that i mean the majority of my business and i'm uh, uh, a little bit glitching from the from the from the topic but the majority of my activity right now and that's where my business focus is is on sales selling the brands like getting orders that's where i do my money But then at the other hand, from the other hand, I always want to see more brands in my field and I want to sell more brands because it's never enough. (laughs) So what I do is I look at different brands from Amazon and I'm like, you know, some of them are not retail ready. And I was thinking for a long time about it until I established a service. And the service I do is like taking them, putting them into a tube where they are getting on one side as an off online, you know, online oriented uh, uh, um, brand and pulling them to the other side of the tunnel with my sources as an offline and online brand, meaning I'm doing as a service the retail ready thing. And why am I doing it? So I'll be able to sell more brands. Cause if I don't do that, I will just sit there and wait for people to do that themselves. Some of them would do, but some of them would not. So I'm just saying that, but uh, you have to think as, again, as a brand on your products and i don't i wouldn't be bothered about finding contacts because you know as long as you are heading your brand into a certain direction you know how it is i mean i mean it's a little bit uh, it's a bit strange to say it but the universe is there and is listening to you and saying okay that's where you want to go i'll i'll give you the solution you know to open the door don't worry about the door just keep going to that direction the doors will get open um that's it that's how it happened to me because so i was like you know i didn't know those whole 60 retailers uh when i started this whole thing they just you know one thing led to the other so
0: yeah 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 absolutely i love that uh my wife and i are, are just finishing up um uh miracle morning and you know and and you know things like the secret and all that kind of stuff all that stuff it seems really hokey and kind of <laughs> weird but a lot of it really works so you know as as long as it works then why not you know right yeah definitely so the other the other thing I'm interested in is in terms of you know especially with the thing we weren't going to mention on this podcast you know people are all freaked out about it again. Um, how is that affecting you know supply chain and not only that but you know the relationship between you and the retailer. So you know the retailer calls you to say hey we want ten thousand units of you know widget X and you say okay well uh, I'll I'll get on that. You call your supplier they say oh yeah it's going to be three months. How are you kind of, uh, are, are you trying to find new manufacturers? Are you trying to find, go to in, in, diversify your, your supply chain? You know, what countries you're sourcing for? Kind of how are you navigating that right now? Okay, so I'm, I wanted to run away from production sites. So I'm not dealing with that.
2: And I think there's so many information, at least that I know, that Amy could give everyone about suppliers. In general, it's always good to have more than one supplier. And when you get an order from retailer, that's not the point on the line where you want to start and go ahead and search for supplier. Cause you're going to get, you're going to it's going to get screwed. That's for sure. You want to be up and ready when you, when you get yourself to the retailers. Here's the thing. If you get your foot in, into retailer uh, stores, and if you do something wrong, you're going to be kicked out at least for two years and you don't want that to happen. You want everything to go smooth. So that's why you have to have a very good, you know, supply chain up and ready. So I, I don't want to, talk that much about the supply chain, because again, there's so much so much information out there, especially on, on amazing at home uh, that I know that is there, um, but yeah, you wanna have everything up and ready. When you get in terms uh, talking about, you know, the correspondence with the buyers, most of the correspondence, I, I would say 95% is by emails. Another, I mean, it depends on the retailer, but some of them are using EDI, which is, you know, an online system that is transmitting orders and packing lists and all this, you know, paperwork between both sides because they don't want to count on emails if anything goes wrong. And EDI is something that also can connect from you to them and from them to their warehouse directly through BL and everything. Um, so that's the majority of the correspondence. The important thing is in the beginning, until the point where you get the purchase order, is to communicate properly. And when I work with my vendors, I'm doing it like, you know. Hand in hand with them in a manner that sometimes they send an email, but normally they would show me the email before that if they're not really sure how to respond or if the respond is good, but at the end of the day, you know, it's people behind those computers and it's not, you know, it's not robots and even if you do some minor mistakes or using, you know, some ridiculous language, which are things that is happening to, happening to me with vendors, it's still okay, you can always, you know, um, move forward although that so yeah but emails awesome. is the majority yeah
0: Cool. so well, what we always like to wrap up with are some personal development uh you know the things that you're doing right now in terms of personal development for you you know any books podcasts any anything that you you know some kind of special meditation kind of just enter, uh you know general uh life boosting that you're you're doing right now anything like that on my side uh well the only thing i'm doing
2: Uh, I wouldn't call it spiritual besides praying because I'm Jew and I'm praying every morning. I mean, look, my morning looks very, very, I don't know, strange to other people at least. I start my morning, well, 5 a.m. My guy is waking me up like, daddy, I want to drink something. But anyway, eight o'clock, I'm in the gym and doing CrossFit the same way that Amy does. She's doing it at six o'clock, I think. I'm doing it at 8 a.m. I'm lazy. Um, And when I'm done, an hour later, I'm in the synagogue for an hour. So I'm like getting, you know, uh, I'm getting, like, balance right out in the morning, like, having, having family, first of all. Then i having, you know, everything I need for my body, you know, getting in shape and, you know, struggling with with barbell and stuff like that. And then the third thing, I'm getting the soul side from the sitting. I'm sitting there one hour, praying, everything is cool. And then, boom, I'm on my computer at 10, 20. And, yeah, that goes until, well, now it's 12.00. 12 at night so and it's normal
0: (laughs) it's right right yeah i know i don't know many entrepreneurs that 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 aren't working you know late into the night i know my wife and i are always you know we we try to at least get out of the office at home and you know sit up on the couch but we're both of us are on our laptops making calls you know doing emails (laughs) all that kind of stuff so totally get that all right well taylor we've come to the end here uh it's been awesome having you thank you so much let people know how they can get a get a hold of you well, there's my website
2: uh, retail-empire.com. Uh, if you look at the website, and I think Amy, I believe she had the the, um, the link, but uh, there's a retail ready service on the left side. If you wanna, if you want me to look at your you know brand and tell you what i think if it's you know if there's any opportunity and start to communicate with me or there's also the contact me the contact page on my site that yeah you can contact me in so many different ways very easy i have a u.s number an israeli number whatsapp telegram you name it even twitter Uh, (laughs) uh, oh wait, wait wait there's still people on twitter you haven't been banned yet well, I'm no, I haven't been banned yet, but I'm afraid to be so. So that's why I had uh, get get our whatever the name of that is. Oh, her yeah, get
0: her Getter, get her yeah, her yeah. I don't know. There's so many these days. It's like a new one every day. That's you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to keep up. It sounds like uh, you know, TikTok is the the only one that you know you can get on and and kind of get away with with just about anything, right? <laughs> I guess so. I don't have TikTok weird that I like, yeah yeah I yeah it's it, it's one of those ones where I, I guess I'm getting too old to like understand it right I'm like I don't quite get it so that's when you know you're getting old <laughs> yeah exactly. hey Taylor thank you thank you so much for being on really, really appreciate having you and um yeah we'll, we'll uh we'll have to have you on again I know that we could have we, we could have kept going here uh because yeah. there's so much to talk about there so really appreciate it
2: Yeah, something got stuck in his microphone. You're muted, Amy.
1: Oh, no. Andy I don't know what happened that was okay well good thing that I am recording this session (laughs) and uh, you know thank you everyone for being here on the seller roundtable we're gonna hit stop on the recording and the live stream and um, thank you guys so much for reviewing rating and subscribing we love you guys thank you for your votes in the seller poll we appreciate you so much and uh, we'll see you guys next week on the seller roundtable